Hello, hello, hello. Morning, morning. As they say in the Bahamas, made it to episode 10. Episode 10. I feel like it should be a big episode. This is Little Woods Outdoors with Bell speaking. I got my boy Jake. I got Drew Hampton on. Uh, We're looking for a good episode tonight. Drew, episode 10. It means a lot to us. I mean, we, episode, I mean, you, episode one, everybody's like, ah. You probably ain't gonna make it to the next one. Episode two, they're like, okay, these guys got something going. About episode ten, they're like, my gosh, did they do anything besides podcast at this point? I mean, we're doing okay. It took mm-hmm. a while, but it's yeah, 10. for sure, for sure. Yeah, we. It's it's weird to think that we're at episode ten. I feel like we just started yesterday, but and and I feel like we've gotten so much better from then uh, talking with you know, a couple of guests here recently and kind of finish, finishing up the uh, 2022 season going into 2023 and, uh, you know, just a lot of life-changing experiences for us and uh, in our families and our hunting lives and our personal lives. It's uh, it's weird to think that we've reached this point, but I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for episode 20 now or ex- episode 25 or episode 50. Uh, I feel like it's it's just going by so quickly already, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and it's like they're on episode 872. I'm like, did I listen 870 hours worth of podcast? But I did. You know, we get to 870. I, I guarantee you we're going to be – Jake's going to be about four kids deep by that one. No, I'm not. <laughs> that first one all, yeah, that first one, all it did was just spur you on just to be practicing Mm-mm. some more. I know it did. <laughs> Talking about changing diapers and all. What what did you say earlier? You said you, you changed about 40 today. You've been home about an hour and a half. I mean, my gosh. I've changed a bunch. Well, what's my favorite part is when you change a diaper and you get that clean diaper tucked up under there and he's kicking, you know, and you think, oh, he's good to go. And then he just rips that pee and that pee flies just over your left shoulder, you know, wherever it lands. I don't even know. Just throw a towel (laughs) down and start scooting it around. But it's one less diaper I don't change. Mm. Makes you thankful for wood floors, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's it. it saved that one diaper for you. <laughs> that Pampers, that Pampers build just went down for sure. Mm. I haven't figured out. You know, I was telling somebody that's like, yeah, he he'll pee on you while you're changing, him or he'll pee out of a diaper. But you know, I, I was like, is it operator error? Am I putting it on wrong, or <laughs> he just you know has the force with him when it goes to time to pee? I don't know, but he's got it down to a science. Must be that Martin trait. I don't think I, I ever could do that. I could never pee out of that diaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't <laughs> remember what I did, but <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, I just I just can't wait to teach him how to pee outside. You know, I, I feel like that's what every man is waiting to do for his son. Just let's just go outside. Let's get oh, on yeah, the front just, porch. Just let it go. Man, I love doing it to this day. <laughs> There's, there's, uh, you know, too much information. There's, there's very little areas around this house that just, you just strolling around. You just got to go. That's what you were taught to do. I mean, that's what I was taught to do. I drew grew up in the city right on the highway. So (laughs) (laughs) hey, they seen him squatting back there. (laughs) They still ain't caught me yet. (laughs) That's that's why in the city they make them build those privacy fences. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Drew Hampton, old hammer mm-hmm. out there in the backyard. We were worried about him, so <laughs> just popping a squat. Uh, that's pretty good. You know, episode ten. I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't gonna let Drew get in on that. No, He's on, uh, I just I'm leave just, it at it. Uh, He's over there. Let it let it go. Uh, He's just over the there humming at it. Just hmm hmm hmm. <laughs> Mm. sounds like one of my coon dogs mm. wanting something he just thought mm. 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 <laughs> no episode 10 you know we thought we'd have something great for you on that but 
uh, you know, we're starting with something good, talking crap on Drew. So I, I feel like that's the best episode we could probably start with. Uh, you know, a couple things trying to relate to the national news and all a little bit of things going on in Ukraine, uh, you know, but there's probably something bigger going on up in Ohio. It's kind of, it's kind of getting shoved under the rug, but I mean, that's, I don't know a ton about it. Y'all been watching any of that or what? Yeah, I've watched a little bit. I have a friend that's with Union Pacific and he's been posting a lot about it and it's a, it's a bad ordeal up there. It's a, I don't know. I don't know how they have finally got that under control or if they actually have. I, I know it was, uh, it was burning pretty good for a while. All I know is if that train would have had a drilling rig or something oil field, oil field related on it, they'd have been up there just, I mean, going nuts over it. Yeah, oh, the yeah. next natural disaster. And uh, I saw a funny thing on Facebook the other day, and it's just a picture of the, you know, the U.S., all the drainage, et cetera. <clears throat> I mean, the Mississippi River drains a lot of crap. I've caught catfish out of the Mississippi River thinking I was good, but now it's got a, all this stuff. I mean, you look at it, take a, a step back. That river that's way up in Ohio somehow makes its way down to the Mississippi. And I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, we're catching these albino catfish. This one don't have an eye. All that. And I thought it was something cool and spectacular. But in all honesty, it's probably had something messed up going on with it. I mean, that's that's abnormal. It is. Well, and I'm not sticking up for anything on the spill side of it, but... Here comes that oil field. No, it's not oil field. I mean, <laughs> I could be. But you're talking... The people within a close radius, the people right there at ground zero for that incident have a major problem. By the time it gets to the Gulf or anywhere, you know, halfway back upstream, you know, the dilution, the way it's diluted down, you know, surely it's not going to be a major, just a total loss of, you know, habitats or wildlife or fish you know but there's billions of gallons i mean i don't know the number we can probably google it coming down yeah what do you think well you know and i I, it goes back to kind of what happened out there uh in the gulf you know all of that millions and millions of oil that got spilt out into the ocean you know it's it's I don't know. I mean, it definitely, you know, affected the habitat, but I don't think it was to the point where it absolutely just destroyed everything beyond repair. Uh, but, you know, the Mississippi River, there's there are a ton of rivers that just intertwine and connect to it. And uh, there's no telling what comes in and out of that, you know, from the top of the, from where it starts all the way down into the Gulf. Uh, I can't imagine all the contamination and but- everything we put, but... But if you look at the big picture, you know, you got all the city runoffs. And I mean, like I said, I'm not sticking up for it. I, I think it's a bad deal. But it's like there's certain places that, you know, there's like just say a parking lot or a gas station when it rains, all that runs off somewhere to your local regional reservoir. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. To think about when you really think about it, it's wild. You know, a great explanation of a really nasty place runoff. Have y'all India? Ever, have y'all no <laughs> closer to home than that? Have y'all ever been to New Orleans during Mardi Gras? Mm. Let me tell uh, you, no. Let me tell you, that's probably the nastiest place I've ever been in my entire life. And look, tomorrow I'm pretty sure it's Fat Tuesday. I went to school at LSU. I know what I know what time of the year it is. Everybody's getting these king cakes. You go down to New Orleans. You're there one of those evenings that they're doing parades. That is the nastiest place I've ever been in my entire life, guaranteed. I mean, I lived in Lafayette 
for about a year when I worked offshore. And, uh, it's a, it's a happening deal across that whole state. It's not just New Orleans. It's every, everywhere, you know, we had, I mean, Fat Tuesday is a holiday down there. If I remember right. Oh yeah. Then we got Ash Wednesday. Take a little piece of ash, dot your head. That just always reminded me of uh, that Dave Chappelle skit where uh, that Ashy Larry character he had. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, me. I, I'm i glad I'm not down there. I loved it. It was a great one-time experience, but I don't think I'll go back, though. It's just not for me. It really isn't. Gordon just went down there. Mm. I know. He My called, sister. He called me the other day, and I was like, asking me where to go in Baton Rouge. I'm like, ooh. That's not really a town, man. You got to go to Lafayette. They they have big party scene on that, really. Oh yeah, Lafayette's Mardi Gras party Monday through Friday, seven days a week. Yeah, Lafayette. There's a few little year round small towns down there. Um, the only only thing I take as a benefit from all of that is crawfish season started up. I mean, oh, yeah. that means it's about time get some mud bugs. They're hiring cats back right now, but at some point we'll be able to eat them. So we'll have to do us a cookout. I told Gordon, I said, man, I said, go when you're in New Orleans. He was asking me, I said, y'all just need to go to Lafayette and just go down there and hit all the all the eating spots up because everywhere down there is slapping hard when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, if you go to New Orleans, though, you need to go hit up Felique's down there and get some uh, turtle soup. Let me tell you. That's right there by the uh, racetrack, isn't it? Uh, I think so, yeah. What is that? Uh, What's the track down there? Fair, Not the fairgrounds. It's a... Uh, yeah, it's the fairgrounds, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. <clears throat> I can't even remember that track down there, but... All I know is... It's hard to beat some good turtle soup. I mean, how many times you had it? Once? Uh... While I was down there in New Orleans, yeah. No, I've had it twice. I had it from two different places. Was the second as good as the first or what? Well, the first time I had it was at a place called Commander's Palace in the Garden District. And it was good. Uh, Me and Jess was seeing how tough those hand grenades were that trip. And uh, (laughs) I lost. You lose that battle? Yeah. They got about a four-hour delay. (laughs) <laughs> it but, hit uh, her too oh about killed us and uh the second time we went to that felix and it was it was hidden that's awesome yeah the the turtle soup i, I feel like it's probably going to be a locational kind of delicacy well the only thing better than that i've had was a I don't know what the Cajun or uh, whatever term it is for it is uh, the pork belly po'boys. Mm. I love a good po'boy. Well, the pork belly, the way they prepared it, kind of moistened up that bread, which I don't, I like po'boys, but they're not my favorite because the bread sometimes a little overwhelming, but they slap that, uh, gravy or whatever they call it on there and that pork belly yeah pork belly is pretty good it's kind of i guess the only times i've had it just reminds me for people that don't know what it is kind of more it's almost pork rind like just it's just fried fat i mean that's just straight up all it was i like it yeah fried fat squares and it's good I mean, it it don't help your cholesterol, none. I know that much, but, you know, touching back on that turtle soup, I mean, I went golfing Sunday, and I seen a turtle sitting on this rock. He probably ain't a candidate for that, you think? I mean, is there different varieties of turtles you use for this? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, the stuff I see on TV, they always get them big snapping turtles. Uh and I don't, 
I don't think they're endangered, but I don't think you can just go get 15 of them a day or nothing like that. So I don't know. I've caught some soft shell turtles out there catfishing in the river. And I mean, they look edible. I don't know. They try to <laughs> bite your. Th- <laughs> you try to grab a hold of them bad boys. Their neck's about three times their body length. They'll try to snap <laughs> your finger off, dude. I don't even mess with them no more. I mean, it can't be any worse than the crow, right? No, no, there's no way. <laughs> you try and take Rock. one of them off the hook, and it's like level fifteen extraction. And oh yeah, it, it ain't possum ain't nothing compared to them snapping turtles and soft shells. I they just they bend or something their neck. I ain't lying. I was catching them down there. Here's what happened. <laughs> we were catching the fire out some catfish down on this sandbar. Well, I guess I don't know if it's the season or weather changed then i was down there i was like man i keep catching these turtles and uh it's catching them them soft shells and i was trying to keep my my lure or not my lure but my hook and all that stuff on the leader and uh i was trying you know i i'd pin them down about mid back and them little jokers man they just they got some reach on them when it comes that neck Well, thank you in advance for everybody that's listening right now. They ain't going to be just trying to just extract that hook. I guarantee you. No, don't sleep on a, don't sleep on a soft shield turtle. They, they probably don't have the G force as a big snapper, but they're quick and they can get, I mean, they can just go right up straight over there, you know, 12 o'clock on you. (laughs) That's funny though. I, you know, I, I see my dogs all the time out there try to hit that pond bank just in time to catch one of them little red ears sliders. Yeah, that little soft shell might give them a run for their money for sure. Oh, them red ears ain't got nothing on them. Be looking mm. like a nose ring hanging off their nose. Well, they say they won't let go till it thunders. That's what I always told growing up. Yeah, that's that snapping turtle saying, isn't it? You remember... uh them catfish ponds down there they used to have all them turtle traps on them oh yeah i never i always wondered how many was down in there i to this day i i know they had probably they probably had two traps for each pond didn't they at least little back little backstory our family me and jacobs used to they used to do fish farming so uh as kids we'd spend a lot of time either a riding around chasing birds off or or b trying to help them catch the fish i feel like i remember seeing so many turtle traps and now you look on fish farms there ain't that many out there anymore i don't know if they found a solution to that problem or what but i don't know we was talking about sunburns last episode one of the first horrible sunburns i got was saning catfish out there sitting on that tractor dragging that net up just getting roasted i didn't even know it Hmm. and then i'm not a noodler i don't noodle catfish but i guess i was noodling at a young age and i didn't even know it whenever they're like hey you want to go help them boys together some eggs some catfish eggs i'm like well i guess i mean so you go out to these catfish ponds and they're all about i don't know what were they about four or five foot deep yeah Mm. and they got these little buoys i mean hundreds of buoys around the edge of them and you gotta you get down in there you have this little basket that floated behind you tied around your waist you go that you pick you a buoy that you want to start at and you pick them buoys go to them and the guy training me he's like he's like get up there and tap on that can there's about a three (laughs) foot by two foot can maybe about a foot and a half tall off the bottom with a hole in it. And uh, I get up there. He's like, sometimes there's a catfish in there. Sometimes they're not. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. I was probably 14. I don't remember how old I was. Feeling tough. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go gather some eggs. And uh, they're like, if, if you feel it, if you feel something bump the side of that can, when you reach down there and pick it up, he's like, Lift it up, you know, shake it up and down a couple of times. I think Bart, old Bart was still on the farm <laughs> then. 
And, he, I mean, he was a big old boy, so I, I don't think he was scared of anything. So he's like, just lift that can up and shake it a couple times, and then that fish will swim out of that hole, and you can reach in there and grab the mix. I'm like, all right. Well, I did, a, you know, a few of them. No problem. Reaching there, you float them little eggs out, and you put them in your basket behind you. Well, then I got to one. I'm like, all right, I felt it bump. I felt it bump. <laughs> Shook the can. I felt the, I don't even know how big these catfish were, 10, 12 pounds maybe. I don't even know what kind of catfish they were. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't. And it'd swim out between my legs. I'm like, all right, safe to go. I'd go in there and get them eggs. Well, then he didn't tell me about the ones that don't tap the side. <laughs> I get to him. I lift this thing up. I don't feel nothing. I stick my hand in there and I'm talking. But bam, just, I mean, like Mike Tyson grabbed a hold of your hand. Just, I mean, they just ball up on you. And uh, about every 20, you get hammered like that. And I'm like, can you wear a glove, you know? Or, oh, you can't feel the eggs if you got a glove. I'm like, all right. You know, my knuckles are bleeding. <laughs> Pond one, I'm I'm bleeding out. But. I did that. I did that a few summers. Uh, I never got any better at it. Just had to that's get. Funny. That, that's funny. You brought that up. I, I mean, I, I didn't know nothing about catfish. When you were walking around those ponds, I mean, that's what I was asking. There was a bunch of turtle traps, wasn't there? To go oh, along yeah, with tur- it, turtle traps. There wasn't no snake traps, so that was weird. Yeah, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. The, the snakes are just out there just floating by you. It's like, golly, and I was scared of snakes then. I ain't too bad now, but uh, it wasn't. It's in like saying and there'd be snakes all around. Just waiting on that free meal. Oh, mm. man. I can't. I, I guess I was just a little braver then. Nowadays, I'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to get in that water. It'd be that, that pond water be like 90 degrees. I'll be the first one to say that I won't be sticking my hand in a can like that with a catfish. <laughs> you, you know, the worst place I ever did that was over at the reservoir. They used to put them over there on that, uh, on the zero grade side of the reservoir bank over there. And uh, those catfish ponds, the bottom was all level. They were all precision leveled, I guess. Levees, everything was the same. Reservoir. I was walking through, there's sticks poking me in the leg. I mean, it's like crappie bed I'm wading through. It was not fun. <laughs> just waiting to just go down. Hey, Drew knows about that. He can't yeah. even walk in waders. Uh, yeah, no. You, you take me out of the reservoir right now. I'm done. <laughs> I better boat in there and just take two steps out. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. But my my favorite thing about catfish, you know, farming, which I, I mean, as a helper, was uh chasing the birds off you know oh you don't have a driver's license hop in this pickup truck and just drive around all these i don't even know how many there were but you can take a full day out there chasing birds off take this ar it's fully loaded oh here's, yeah here's what? about three clips to go with you <laughs> yeah banana clips for everything just don't scare them off. Yeah, just don't worry if there's anybody on the other side of the reservoir or the pond. Just start shooting. You might get yeah. a bird. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was wild. But yeah, anyway, I, I, tur- turtle soup. I don't know what they do or where they get it or what kind they are, but I'll eat it every time. Yeah, I, I couldn't do the snakes. Uh, you know, lifting up those levee gates in the rice fields that <laughs> you see a big old ball of cotton mouse just rolling around. I just, that, that scarred me for life. <laughs> well, that's during COVID whenever there wasn't nothing to do. I, I really got into the herpetology stuff, like trying to figure out what snake I need to break my leg over. Cause I'm in the woods all the time with these dogs and there's a lot of water sometimes, you know, there might be a rattlesnake. I just need to, I just need to know if I see a snake while I'm crossing a creek, if I need to snap three of my legs, ankles, or hamstrings to get away from it, or if it's just a water snake. I see people now, I mean, it's February 20th, and it's 70 degrees outside, and I see people posting pictures, watch out on this pretty day, there's snakes out. 
<laughs> and I, you know, that's the only thing about spring I don't really enjoy at all. Snakes are coming back out. You know, I'm ready for the grass to grow back because my yard is a mud hole, just probably like everybody else's. Uh, I can't even do anything in the yard without rutting it up. Just praying the lawn guy don't kill me when he's bumping over. Well, that's me. So I might be upset about that. But, you know, you're talking about all these different things and and trivial things you have to go through. But that brings me back to coon hunting. I mean, you, you mentioned it already. When I was in Louisiana, I stayed in northwest Louisiana up around Shreveport and Benton area. And, and when I was in vet school for an internship for a month from February to March. And we coon hunted probably five nights a week while I was there. And we would hunt these little bows and draws and stuff. And I wasn't worried about snakes. I did have a bad skunk experience while I was there, but I really wasn't worried about them either. We had hogs everywhere. I mean, hogs were a thing. He had hog dogs. I wasn't worried about the hogs either. Dude, I am so glad we live just north enough for now, till global warming gets us, I guess, for alligators to stay their butts down south because that was my main thing. I'd hear Hank over there running a trail, you know, Jacob, just chop, 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 chop. He'd get quiet, and that's the first thing I'd think about. He done got got, but we were very fortunate it never happened. But all them old-timers, they said that happened all the time. It does happen. I listen to a lot of hound podcasts on these guys that, I mean, they don't worry about it, but it happens. They get snatched up. Well, it's That's almost up me. here. It, you know, they're they're talking about gators being all the way up in northwest or northeast Arkansas. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen one up that far before. But I mean, I guess maybe that chemical there. spill pushing back south <laughs> <laughs> force them down the other way. If that works, I'm gonna I'm gonna spill some chemical around here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I ain't going to do that. Please, nobody come censor me. Uh, yeah. I mean, this podcast is not going to make it on Spotify now. But, I mean, hopefully we don't get any around here. Uh, when I was a kid, I my favorite thing to see, talking about all these big fish and everything, my, my grandmother's got, there's a little river right beside where we grew up, and it, it's called the White River near Desark. Some people might know it, just a little bit north of Stuttgart, Arkansas. Man, that that river apparently used to be warm. And it used to house a bunch of different kinds of big old fish in it. Now, you get in it, it's about the coldest thing I've ever been in my entire life. Grandmother said when it was little when she was little, they'd go fishing for gar. And she's got these scales from these alligator gar. You ever seen that, Jake? I guarantee you. I don't even know a good measurement for it. It's probably two inch in diameter or better. Just a scale off that thing. Oh, them things get huge. And that was like their big thing to catch. They'd carry, I think, little baseball bats out there to hit them or a twenty-two to shoot them. Uh, and they'd catch them from the bank. That was what they liked to do. They'd catch the uh, bunch of gar balls. That was the thing. So, Oh, those... Those eat good too, man. And gar sandwiches or whatever they make mm-hmm. down in Lafayette, man. They they don't waste a gar. <clears throat> They're good. Yeah, I used to have a family friend that would always tell us if you ever you know caught a gar to hang on to it and he'll take it. He make all kinds of stuff with it. But you know, I I've seen in the museum over here in Desert uh, like a hundred and twenty five pound gar. I mean, probably. 14 15 foot long it's unbelievable how big they can get actually Uh, yeah and then we get in that river and swim around Mm -hmm. yeah that's just smart isn't it you ever seen those videos from the trinity river where they both fish down there then things are about the size of alligator you talking about down in louisiana uh it might be louisiana or texas or both i don't remember where exactly I watched some YouTubes on it one time. Ooh, no, thank you. Hmm. I I do know that um, back towards my later years of vet school and my first years of being a doctor up here, I was I used to go crappie fishing with my boy Cade over there. 
they had a place in Sam Rayburn, and this kind of gets back on alligators, though. Uh, we were out fishing one day. We pulled up in this cove, and I swear to you, to this day, I've never in my life, it don't matter if it was captive or alive, it don't matter if Nat Geo put the world's biggest alligators. I guarantee you these two alligators I seen in this cove there in Sam Rayburn were over 13 foot and they were massive, massive. And, and little to think me and him and everybody else were swimming off their dock, probably 300 yards down the way. I just don't swim at night. That's all I got to tell you. Don't fly a drone over that in the daylight. Ugh. It's like them shark videos. What uh, what you been doing with them dogs? You been running the gauntlet, or you been training that pup? Yeah, uh, lately the the dogs been. I ain't gonna say they're been lazy because that's probably me that's been lazy. But uh, recently, kind of my biggest thing that uh, kind of occupying my time is it's February. Deer season's over for most, unless you're still bow hunting. I think that goes for a little bit longer. But uh, our main thing is kind of trying to knock down on some of the predators for the turkeys around here, especially where I live. I, I've got a pretty good spot that I'm trying to manage behind the house. for. Um, it's not going to be a true turkey spot now, but I think it could be a potential for few years down the road maybe on the kids if i ever have kids or if boone ever wants to come turkey hunting i feel like that would be kind of what i'm managing it for right now we've been catching raccoons i've been shooting coyotes uh we shot those bobcats that day i mean we helped there. oh yeah uh, and we just trying to keep some of the numbers down there and and recently i've been using live traps instead of like the regular dog proofs that i typically use and the main reason Cause I got that little pup from Hank that has got to see a raccoon. I mean, he just needs to, um, I think, let's see, is it two days ago? I got to run the gauntlet. I ain't going to go into a lot of description of what the gauntlet is because I am a doctor for animals. And so we're going to just leave it at that. But a gauntlet, if anybody's ever played call of duty kind of knows what it is. It's, mono e mono you gotta it's uh see who comes out alive kind of situation and uh the pup's been he's been pretty interested uh we had a a good training opportunity the other day and and he really liked it uh he started to kind of show a little aggression towards it so which he's starting to be that way about his food with other dogs too so (laughs) i don't (laughs) I don't think I can really like tone that down any, but um, that's just the red bone in him. Yeah, you're probably right. I <laughs> he 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 really does. He he really did enjoy it. I think he's out of anything though. The live trap, and I think people are like, oh, catch it, especially these young dogs. And this is just me opinion. I I mean, just from what I've trained dogs wise. I feel like if anything, when I'm catching these coons alive in these traps. The biggest limiting factor that's kind of, kind of almost to some extent scares these dogs is that metal cage, man. I, I feel like once, once that raccoon gets out of that metal cage, he's, I mean, he, he feels like he could just jump over the moon, outrun it. I mean, he probably could outrun it, Lord willing. Uh, but he just thinks he can handle it fine. But that metal cage just puts a fear factor for some reason. And I, I just, I just trapped one. Finally, I've had a the longest drought I've ever had trying to catch a live raccoon. But I just uh, showed my little pup his first raccoon uh, two days ago, and he had a good reaction. He he wasn't worried about that trap. He was just going wild, and my Jeep Reba was going wild, and they got a good training experience. Got. Uh, that scent fresh on their mind and they got to run him up a tree and I just really want to see his reaction how he was gonna he's he's kind of a timid dog which I'm not a big fan of but he's slowly coming out of his shell and uh that's why I wanted to let him get up close and personal and you know 
let it b- bump him on the nose a couple times. Did Did you have any kind of like gauntlet action? Was there any gauntlet action? I mean, it was kind of gauntletly. <laughs> that's a word. Uh, but now he hopped on the first tree he got to, and it was he he got out of out of dodge quick. That's probably smart, for sure. I, to some extent, of my three dogs, I've got to be real careful how I train on this puppy because my my adult male dog knows what he's doing, but he is as soon as that coon hits the ground, it's his, and it ain't no other dogs. So I got to be careful with him. Like I want him to teach him, but at the same time, it's like. I don't want him to teach him all the bad habits that he learned, but a lot of it was because I just hunted him so solo his whole life. I, that's probably my fault, but I mean, well, and they say a they say a young dog will pick up a bad habit faster than it'll pick up a good one. But like you said, he's been hunting by himself so long, and he's had so many that have been his that you know. It's understandable, in my opinion, but uh, I mean, training them, training them pups is a. I mean, sometimes that's a two-person job. You know, you got to have somebody helping hold dogs and trying to let let the coon loose. And I mean, it gets wild there if you're by yourself, real quick. I, I, I had that cage of mine cut, scratch up my hand pretty good. I got home and told Jess that, oh, that cage that have nothing on it because it i came back bleeding you had a recent tetanus shot or what yeah uh, i mean it's it looks fine today <laughs> <laughs> throw some dirt in it i hit it with that with that uh dawn dish soap you know let it get down in there and eat yeah i, I in all honesty i mean I, i'm not an environmentalist or nothing but i I think that probably would have helped up there in Ohio too. Oh yeah, but no, I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of pup training. My pup Judo, he uh, before I showed him that coon, the three days prior to that, he went out hunting on his own a little bit, struck a couple tracks, whether they were deer or skunks or who knows what they were. He's out there running around making some noise, and I'm fine with that. So. He's showing me pretty good progression. He's kind of coming out of his shell a little bit, and you know, you know, you know my, and I'm glad it's a training opportunity because I get so much crap for this gauntlet being ran in my yard. My wife thinks that <laughs> for the 45 minutes of hounds, and I've got a border collie, and I've got a Labrador Retriever. And you would think that I got a pack of five hound dogs because it's so loud at my house. All five of them after it. I get a little bit of crap over it. I mean, she's not a fan at all. She hates the gauntlet. Oh, yeah. Well, it sounded like it was my pup. He's loud. He's got a high pitch ball with a squeal mixed in it. It's very loud. So I bet, you know, the neighboring houses around me were probably like, what is going on over there? Yeah, you're not city like Drew, but you're pretty close, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm in town, but out of town. <laughs> you can still he see the firework or what? I, I can still, <laughs> yeah. I can, uh, I can cut the dogs loose here and not be too worried. My question is, do you have a stoplight in your, in your town there? Oh, no. Not close. There's about $4 generals, though. Mm, one every quarter mile? Yeah. But, uh, we went last night, I guess it was last night, or maybe the night before, and me and the pup was up kind of high on the property line, and my Jeep Reba, she was down low, and she sounded off like she was treed on something, and I knew it was probably something on the ground, but I never, you never know with her. So That's I was right. like, all right, let me go see what it is. And I walked around the corner on the little four wheeler trail and, uh, judo was right there with me and he took off. I'm like, 
oh, maybe there's something over here. Well, then I heard something over my right shoulder running past me. I look over and there's a skunk. Just, <laughs> I mean, mm. knocking grass down. Episode I'm skunk. Like, oh, my God. And the only thing that kept a dog from getting sprayed, the wind was in, I'd say, my favor because they couldn't smell where he had went. And uh, I was hollering and snatching them up, trying to tell them to let's go this way because that's not something I want to deal with right now. Ooh, that could have been bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was four feet from me. Just trotted right past while, right where I was walking. Ooh, I... He was full plumage too, boy. He was black and white as they get. <laughs> Just like them spoonbills, baby. Oh, yeah. He looked like one, too. Tails hiked up. Boy, he's ready. Mm, I'm glad it hasn't happened. You know, but... and, and It's going to happen. <laughs> and I think, you know, something you taught me the other day that I feel like, you know, if anybody on here is thinking about it, get a coon hound. I mean, this is something that it makes a lot of sense. I'm not a... I watched a video today of a canine tracking dog and they've got this scent on the ground. It's it's like concrete and they've got this wet line on the ground. I mean, we could have smelt this scent. And they've got these little treats on it. Have you ever seen those kind of videos, Jake or Drew, where they're trying to train this dog? He's got to walk this scent line. Y'all seen that? I don't know if I've seen it. I've seen some of that training where they do that with the treats, but I don't know about the... Just a straight up drip. This one had it. I I don't know what it was. Some police department training a dog on scent. I mean that that dog. He <laughs> they didn't start him early enough if he needed him a a one foot swath of liquid on the ground. But hey, some of them start late. I mean, I feel like I could learn a new trait right now, and I'm old. So, but the other day he was kind of talking to me. Jake was. He he's a big and and a lot of y'all kind of will take this the fact he loves a coon hound and he's listened to a ton of real good information. I'd assume it's good information. It's hearsay. Expert. Expert, in my opinion. Good coon hound opinions. And the other day I, I had the certain scenario where I it was a great night to go run a coon hound. I on the way there, I almost hit two on the highway. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're moving. I get to where, get to our farm. I'm going down by our lake, you know, a, a watering spot. Like, that's that's where a raccoon should be anyways. This raccoon is standing in the, high, in the road. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a fresh scent. I drive up as fast as I can. The dogs see him. It's not like it's a, a, a mystery game when I let them out. They... For some reason, my dumb self, I I might have had a beer. I don't know. I had the back window wide open, and these dogs bail out, right? One of them had a collar on. One didn't. They go off through the briar thicket. They get treed up out there. I don't see anything in it. I'm like, oh, man, how did they miss that hot trail? Now, Jake, tell them what you told me. What's the best way to handle that? I know there's more than one person. Like a hot trail sounds good, but it can be too hot. It can. Well, and this is coming from a guy I listened to on uh, another podcast that's really good for if you're into the hound scene and learning about dogs is uh, Heath Hyatt, and he trains canines. And uh, from what he says is that scent is like a you know molecules or whatever well when you got that hot scent if you see a coon run across the road or a deer or whatever it is it takes that scent you know a little bit of time then it also has a lot to do with you know what the i guess the barometric pressure if it's coming up or down which way the the wind or the scent's going from where it originates but it takes that scent a little bit of time to get down on the ground and leave its little footprint or whatever you want to call it and his recommendation is and i've heard it from other guys too that's been running dogs a long time especially those guys out west where they're hunting 
I mean, day old stuff, you know, from them, them outlines and bobcats and all that dry ground stuff. But it takes that sin a little bit of time to get stuck on the ground or whatever leaf or whatever it's on. And they say, if you see that happen, you want to, you know, run a track, drive past it or, or stop or wait 10, 15 minutes, let that settle out and then go back and cut your dogs on it. And, uh, I guess it increased your likelihood to strike that, that track, you know, and I've had it personally happen too. I've done the same thing. I've cut my dogs on a coon that ran across right in front of the ranger and same thing. They just, they're running, they smell it on everything. You're, they're stirring it up. You're stirring it up. And they just don't know which way to go. You know, uh, my wife's been with me a couple of times and. And we've had the same thing happen. One time it happened in the middle of the summer, which the dogs were already out of the vehicle, so I couldn't stop them from running too fast. And uh, my wife was like, oh, my gosh, they don't know what they're after. They stink. They suck. They're not good coonhounds. I'm like, man, I just got to figure out what the problem is. But it makes sense. I mean, when it's hot like that, you would think it would take longer for it to settle. Um, all like you said, the molecules or whatever are moving quicker. Everything's spreading around. Um, then when it gets cold, that's why I feel like I have the most success after either during a really light sprinkle of rain. It's like it pushes things down. Don't you think that kind of helps to some extent? Well, I mean, yeah. Anything, anything wet's going to help you. Uh, I know, like. And I'm I'm sure all this changes from the like sun heat like sun like what do you call it UV rays are the worst thing for a scent track. It, it's the hardest time for a dog to to get on something because that just eats that scent away. From what I understand, so if the same scenario in the midsummer day, it that track's not going to be there as long versus at night. The pressure's pushing sent down that's like a coon that's laid up or you know whatever your squirrel or whatever's in the tree and that scent's coming down versus the sun it's just eating that smooth up so do y'all think that you know terrain type of weather does that play into factor like how you would train a dog here in arkansas compared to one you train in wyoming or Dude, you know, whatever the case may be. I literally well, I literally was just thinking that. I mean, because you go out to the mountains. Sorry, Jake. I didn't mean to cut you off. But you go out to the mountains, and the big thing me and Sam kind of dealt with that I was foreign to, and a lot of people might be, when you go hunt things in the mountain and the wind matters so much, in the mornings, that wind's pushing one way down the mountain. And then the afternoons, about right when it gets to warming up, it starts pushing up it. So our whole goal was to try to be either above or below what we were trying to kill, you know, during the day. So I feel like at some point, I feel like maybe in the mornings, still pushing it down. Maybe you cut the dogs on the bottom side of the mountain. Is that wrong to th think about or what? I don't know. I listened to a deer hunting podcast here not too long ago. It was talking about how these deer like to get elevation if they get spooked or uh, injured. Or if you shoot a, I think it's whenever I was helping a buddy track a, a, a hurt deer. And uh, that's why it stuck with me. But they say they go, they go up because they can smell the rising you know, stuff, the rising scent. They feel safer at higher elevation, but, I mean, we've all seen deer run down to the creek too, right? All the way, you know, be laid up dead in a in a creek or a small river or something. So, I mean, I don't know 100, percent but back to talking about all them different areas. Uh, you listen to these guys that hunt these competition hunts. That I mean, they're hunting for a hundred thousand. You know, they're hunting for big money all over, all over the country. Excuse me. And uh, 
these guys are sending their dogs to somebody different, different regions. Guys from Louisiana are sending their dogs to Ohio, Michigan. Those guys are sending their dogs out east to the mountains. Uh, they're putting those dogs in every scenario they can because when it comes to a, a big money hunt or a regional, a dog's going to hunt different. You know, if you hunt in the swamps of Louisiana every weekend, a dog that goes up and hunts small patch woods on farmland up north, you know, they're going to have a trouble. They may have a tr- have trouble right. figuring that out versus taking a dog from the north down south that's never had to chase a coon or a, or whatever through a swamp. Right. And there's guys that do that all the time. They send these dogs all over the country. And I mean, that's just trying to help their, their odds at, at having a more rounded dog. It makes sense, you know, from what I've listened to. And I mean, you got a dog that hunts farm edges, rice fields, bean fields to go in and hunting big mountain timbers out East. I mean, it's, it's going to be a different ball game for him. Well, and to kind of touch on when my, my dad used to just beat in my head that wind is an important factor in anything you do hunt wise. I mean, deer, That's especially, right. uh, duck, you know, how you set up your spread, uh, elk hunting, you know, if, it's, it's amazing how sensitive smell is to these animals, but to get on the coon side of things, I, I'm kind of a novice when it comes to this. I'm not real familiar. I don't have any dogs, unfortunately, but I, I just going to ask you guys this, you know, a coon's a coon, I guess, in, in a certain sense, but, you know, is there a difference between a northern coon and a southern coon or an eastern coon compared to a western coon? Like, do you think that there are different scents? There are different I mean, I know we can play the weather factor too. You know, we're, we've got a lot of humidity down south, whereas it's not so humid. It's dry air. It's real windy up north. Just kind of wonder if there's really a difference with that. I mean, there might be. I know there's uh, they're harvesting raccoons up north that are like bear cubs. They're huge. So I mean, you would think they would have more scent, put off more smell. I don't know. I guess. I mean, this time of year, they're starting to, to rut around. You know, it's their getting wild season, so they're going to put off different scent this time of year. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that, I mean, you might be onto something there. Yeah, I just didn't know. I mean, I, I mean obviously, like I said, you know, a, a white-tailed deer is a white-tailed deer where an elk's an elk and a raccoon's a raccoon or whatever. But, you know, I, there's just something different about, like, the – humidity smell of a buck rutting you know down here south and i've i've got the i had the opportunity to hunt up north and i mean you could see it but the winter time it's a lot colder up there you really don't get that smell it's just real strong wind and i don't know if that kind of played the same factor you know and how that factors into your training as a as a pup and i think everything i personally think that uh the main and this is just from my personal experience and an opinion for sure but the first year that I was training on Hank, and Hank's killed, he's treed a bunch of coons, bunch for me, bunch for me. I could take him tonight, he'd probably find me something, but hundreds. I'm too lazy. The first year that I trained him, it was one of the, well, we've had dry winters ever since, but it was one of the driest falls and winters that I've ever tried to hunt a raccoon. I mean, to this day i feel like we were going into january and it was still just was leaves were just as dry as they've ever been and and we killed a bunch of raccoons that next year it was halfway wet i was down in louisiana it was swampy terrain he made me look like a freaking hero just because he had to work so hard that first year on that dry scent i feel like i don't think it i personally don't think it matters so much where you're located like you were saying jay i don't think it matters much i just think it was the difficulty and uh getting a dog to you know i really think all that it boils down to if the dog knows the scent that it's looking for it's gonna find it it don't matter where it's at i that's what i think it really comes to but they gotta overcome obstacles if a dog's not used to wading chest deep water you know for 200 yards versus or running up a say 1500 foot elevation 
you know, that's going to be. Yeah, no, I think, I mean. The, they're different on that as far as. Yeah, the elevation thing, we won't be there because I won't walk up it with him. So <laughs> I ain't got to worry about uh, that. Hey, but he, I will tell you, I, I've got a picture of it today. He's got half his body in the water and half of it on the side of a tree and there was a coon in it in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, I really thought I was, I walked out there to be mad at him and there was a coon in the tree. I have no, I, maybe he just bumped into it. I don't know, but. No, he knew it was there. I follow some guys that hunt down Louisiana that hunt that kind of stuff every day. And even a guy over in Georgia, in the, was that the Okafinoki or whatever? I don't even know how they pronounce it, but they're just wading water 24-7 down there, treeing raccoons. I know it'd wear a dog right. out, though. Well, speaking of elevation, I don't have a whole lot, about 700 foot behind the house. <laughs> and uh, Reba just beelined up that thing the other night. She can go up it pretty quick, though? Oh, yeah. And it, it's perfect habitat for armadillo. <laughs> and this armadillo. Is it the same a, one? No, this is not this one. The one right out here across the yard, that's the same one. I'm about ready to remove him from <laughs> existence. But uh, now this is a different one. I walked up this hill and the leaves are so thick. I get up there. I knew I could hear that armadillo making that little, little squeaking, kind of that little crunching noise, kind of like a catfish makes, you know, when you hold them out of the water. Mm-hmm. I could hear it and I'm like, Oh man, I just walked up this. I was sweating. So I got her off of it, sent her on her way, made about three steps, and then I descended about a hundred foot elevation on my back, <laughs> uh, sliding down these leaves and it's an old road bed up there and then like right where it breaks off again. <laughs> Slick. Uh, oh, it was bad. I I went down. I uh, uh you know, and, and we've been doing a little bit of coon hunting now, which that adds another little bonus thing. If if you pay attention while you're out there coon hunting, you might stumble across something that's pretty cool this time of year. I know that you've you've had a little success and what we're talking about is a little bit of shed hunting. I know uh I wish I had a dog that would find one for me. I got a lab that she won't pick up a, a lot or a dead duck, but man, if I could get her to pick up a an antler, that would be pretty sweet. Well, my little pup judo about four days ago, five days ago, he just he's out here running loose. I got this baby. I can't go hit my normal coon hunting spot, so I've been sticking around here just letting him run loose. And uh I look out on the porch, he's sitting there gnawing on something like, What's he got? I go out there, he's got a daggum shed. Uh, it's pretty gnarly, it's not real big, but what was it six points yeah one side yeah that's pretty awesome it had a little uh character on it and then uh so then i'm I'm fired up i'm like uh i went and started hiding it you know <laughs> trying to get him on it just you know just like you said a bonus type deal and he'd go find it but he likes to no he's like i think he thinks he's a squirrel because he likes to eat it so he doesn't shoot off it's a <laughs> It's a five point now because he done got that one, but uh, so that was cool. And then today, I'm checking a well. We had a a pipeline leak, so they said go take some pictures, see if they can get in there. So I'm easing off out there, and I pull up on location park. I get out and I walk about three steps. I'm like, looky there, there's a little five point shed had little split brow tines on him, so. I'm I got two so far and I ain't really been looking. I mean, I just was riding the Ranger back behind the house and found one on the road. Uh I'm glad I found it before I ran over it. That would have been pretty awful, but <laughs> uh anytime you find a shed this time of year it's pretty awesome, but me and me and the wife, especially the wife, she likes to, she likes to watch these deer and see what else we got kind of back there. At some at one point we had a bunch of coyotes on camera since then they've been eliminated or scared one of the two um and we really we've been trying to on the prettier days before snakes get real bad we've been out looking for sheds but last night swear to you had two eight points on camera still just carrying it like crazy so yeah 
I don't know what affects them falling off early or late. I mean, I guess there's a lot that comes into play. I don't know nothing about that, but it's got me fired up. I'm out here. I mean, I went, I took the dogs for a little rip this afternoon and, uh, I was out there just like I was a uh, metal detecting, you know, but just looking around, I, scanning, looking, you looking know, for them sheds. You know, we have pretty decent deer, but, and, and me and the wife, we run the dogs today and we seen a spot had, it was a bunch of deer out in the field. We were like, I, I told her, I said, that'd be a great spot. We go out there and look for some sheds. Kind of, we saw where they ran back to in those woods. Like they're probably holding up there pretty good at this time of year. And, and it just gives us something kind of to bridge the gap to the next hunting experience i mean we're we're all ready for turkey season and yeah we're all trying to plan our turkey hunts we're trying to we're gonna get on those turkey hunts i feel like that episode's coming up pretty near though uh i talked to t-bird today i i got some spotted out here on the military base and I think we're going to get our little permit so we can hunt out there. That would be so awesome. Y'all close enough to do it. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know nothing about turkey hunting. I just, I'm fired up just, just to go. I mean, I, I, he said, he said, I'll call you one up. I said, I'm at to shoot it 18 times, but. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that, I just hope that Benelli fires. <laughs> yeah. So I was saying, I was like, I don't even have a, I don't even have a turkey choke. I'm fixing to have to put that, uh. You don't think that pattern a, master to get them? I mean, I can shoot ducks out there, yeah. out there where you where you don't want to go get them. Out there in the Olympic range, I'll get one out there. <clears throat> hey, I've killed one with a modified in. I, I killed that big tom over there in Kansas with a modified choke in. And I've seen you, mo- I've seen you miss I, one with a modified in too. So <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a modify something. that's gonna be a turkey season coming up we've got plenty for that at starting march i guess we're gonna be march 18th our first hunt me and drew and and my father-in-law and and his dad we're gonna go to south texas we're going to south texas to kill rio this year so uh, we'll keep everybody kind of updated on that story and probably you know if we got decent service, I feel like we could probably shoot a podcast down there. And I that would be awesome. Uh, hopefully, the wife, she got a new camera for Christmas. Hopefully, we can get a little video footage to where we could maybe add a little content to the Facebook page in terms of video. So, we can put some, you know, a little bit of face to the name. I mean, we're, we're on what here. What Turtle Man called it? Live action? We're gonna get that live action, baby. And then he he gives us one of them yells, yee yee yee. <laughs> but I think I think it'll be good. And and you know for tonight, episode ten, I I can't think of no better way than to spend it with you three guys, you two guys here. I I enjoyed it, Jake. Keep growing that baby, man. Y'all are doing oh, good. Yeah. Month old today. Diaper expert right here. There you go. <laughs> Drew, you got anything to leave us off with? No, I'm mean, I'm excited. We're getting close. We're baseball season started too, so I'm excited. I'm ready, ready to go. Hey, before long it's gonna be like one of those uh like one of them fantasy football style podcasts on here. Drew be giving us all the stats of the baseball teams around, <laughs> so y'all just hold <laughs> Y'all hold still. Just, just hang on. I'll, I'll, I'll win you some money somehow. <laughs> I do like some college baseball. Hey, it's the time of the year. It, it's it's a change. Uh, everybody can feel it. The weather's getting nice. It's supposed to cool down a little bit, but not too bad this weekend. So uh, the springtime here, what makes me mad is it's wet and it's windy about every single day. I'm ready for it to just kind of make its mind up. Uh, turkey season's coming up. Little Woods Outdoors is going to be killing turkeys this year. I guarantee you. I, I think the way that everybody's trips are lining up, not just mine, not Drew's, but my brother's, uh, T-Bird, Jacob, he's going to Kansas this year. He's already told me all about it. I feel like this is going to be the year he kills his first turkey and enjoys it. I just got to take our shotgun with me. 
Yeah, and we're not talking about beer. We ain't shotgunning beer out there. It's shotgun. Well, you know, my Kansas trips, they're always a blast. Uh, You know, we have a pretty good block party at least two nights of the week. So, you know. Y'all only there for three? I know. (laughs) (laughs) We'd do do it hard. I think that'll be good. We're going to try to get one of... uh, here pretty soon uh we're gonna get some of jake's buddies on here uh he's got some good guys that, that one's just uh he actually makes duck calls he's big into his business right now we're gonna try to get him to make a little time and then he's got another buddy tyler that turkey hunts out to kansas with him hopefully we can get him on oh yeah tyler's always got something going on but i in the meantime everybody have a great rest of your week um i i can't thank you enough for listening to the podcast episode 10 uh this was this is another one grandma really enjoyed it last time this is this is momo worthy right here she can listen to this one there wasn't any bad cussing so everybody have a great week uh stay out of trouble and we'll see you episode 11 everybody have a great night